You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's FA Cup third round victory over Newcastle United. It wasn't easy, but we got there in the end after Mikel Arteta made a host of changes uh, later on in the game to ensure that Arsenal got over the line and had enough to break down a very stubborn Newcastle United side. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Uh, give the, the, the video a like if uh, if you like it, basically. Uh, it really, really does help push the videos up the rankings as well. Uh, so thank you in advance uh, for your continued support. Right, let's uh, kick off uh, by discussing Mikel Arteta's team selection. I'm going to bring it up on the screen uh, for those of you watching us on YouTube. Don't worry if you're listening via the audio platforms. We're going to go through it all in uh, great detail. Uh, Bernd Leno was uh, selected at, uh, in the number one spot in goal, basically. And I, I said it in the preview, didn't I? I said I'd have played Runarsson because I didn't feel like he was going to have a, a particularly busy evening uh, against Newcastle United. But Bern Leno uh, got the nod. As I said, could well be the case. Mikel Arteta has made it very clear that in his view, there is no league and cup goalkeeper. He's got a number one uh, and that's it. And Bern Leno is that number one. And Bern Leno proved his value again, I thought, uh, with a wonderful stop uh, in the second half from Andy Carroll. And then the agility he had to get back up and, and knock the ball out of Andy Carroll's path as he was bearing down on the rebound, I thought was really, really impressive. So Bern Leno making a really, really vital contribution to Arsenal's win uh, on Saturday evening. So, yeah, of course, hindsight is always a wonderful thing, but it was great to see him uh, get the nod and uh, make a, a big difference. Across the back line, uh, Mikel Arteta went with Cedric at right back. He went with Kieran Tierney at left back. Now, I expected Cedric to play. Uh, for me, there was no surprise there, no shock there. Um, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching us via YouTube, uh, Cedric Suarez got a 7 out of 5 out of 10 rating. That's according to whoscored.com. These are not my ratings. These are whoscored.com's ratings. And I'm just uh, using them as a little bit of a guidance point. But Cedric got a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, so I don't think you can have too many complaints about what he delivered. Surprised to see Kieran Tierney playing, though, at left back. You know, we've spoken at length about, you know, with the departure of Sayer Kalasinac, what happens uh, in the event that something or in the event that Kieran Tierney picks up an injury, because we don't have another natural left-back at the football club. At times, Bukayo Saka has filled in there, but I think we've all seen, and we can all agree now, that Bukayo Saka's future is not in the left-back or left-wing-back position. He's far more effective further forward, uh, as he proved again uh, last night when he came on. So I was a little bit surprised to see Tierney play. He's played a lot of football, uh, Kieran Tierney, and I thought that Mikel Arteta maybe. Uh, would have gone with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but it wasn't to be. In the central defensive positions, I predicted that David Lewis would come back into the side, but I thought Gabriel would get the nod uh, just to get him back closer to match sharpness, to match fitness. Pablo Marie played and delivered an outstanding display 
Actually, to be fair, so did David Lewis. I thought they were both really, really good, really, really comfortable on the ball, uh, really, really calm. And and Pablo Marie for me is is showing, you know, week after week now what an important player he can be for this squad. He looks competent. He looks calm. Uh, he looks like he's up for the physical battle that comes with the Premier League. I've been really, really impressed. I still, I always say it, but I have question marks around uh, maybe his pace. The thing is, though, if you can read the game as well as Pablo Marie, then most times, uh, more often than not, it will get you out of trouble. So uh, really impressed by what we've seen from him. We know that Gabriel Martinelli was scheduled to start the game, but he rolled his ankle in the warm up and it looks like it could be a worrying injury. I've got to be honest, you know, I saw the pictures of it uh, just before the kickoff and I wasn't. I wasn't happy with it. You know, you looked at it and you could see that Martinelli's immediate reaction suggested that he felt something a little more than just your sort of uh, standard sprain. Mikel Arteta spoke about the fact that he thinks it, it could be a problem. He spoke about the fact that Gabriel Martinelli was in tears and he was replaced in the side uh, by Reese Nelson. But we'll come on to touch on Reese Nelson's performance in a minute. Let's uh, focus on that central midfield duo of Joe Willock and Mohamed Elneny who I thought were abysmal. I, I thought they were both so, so bad in terms of their usage of the ball. And this has been the problem with this Arsenal side for ages. You know, we talk about the lack of a number 10. We talked about Aubameyang not scoring goals. We talked about the wingers not necessarily creating as much as they should at times. But ultimately, the biggest problem in that Arsenal side when it comes to creativity is that nothing begins from a midfield like that. You know, it, it, it improved dramatically when Granit Xhaka came into the side. And we'll, again, we'll talk about his uh, impact and, and display a little bit later on. But Joe Willock, for me in particular, I thought was bad. Uh, you know, and people have been calling for Joe Willock to start in the Premier League in that number 10 role. And, and for me, I know this was a different position. He was playing as part of that double pivot in midfield. But, you know, Joe Willock proved that there is a lack of quality there. And, and in the Europa League, you'll get away with it. In the Carabao Cup, to a degree, you'll get away with it. But for me, Joe Willock isn't good enough. And, and I've said it for a while. I don't feel like Willock is is ready. I don't feel like Nelson is either. Um, but Willock just, all he seemed to do yesterday, and I, I hate digging out players individually, particularly young ones, but all he seemed to do yesterday, when I cast my mind back and think about what I saw from Joe Willock, two things spring to mind giving the ball away cheaply and giving away free kicks in our own half. Now, you know, some of them, I feel he was a little harshly done by. There was one in particular that comes to mind uh, where it was on Arsenal's right-hand side, Newcastle's left in the second period, where I thought that was soft and, and probably not a free kick. But you knew what Newcastle's game plan was coming into this game. You know, coming into this game, it was very much a case of Newcastle United starting with Andy Carroll up top, what are they going to do? They're going to try and put balls in and around the penalty area for Andy Carroll to get up and win and, and either get attempts at goal off or um, or bring other people into the game. You know, Andy Carroll is has always been a one-dimensional footballer, in my opinion, but even more so nowadays. You know, there is a lack of mobility now when you're talking about Andy Carroll and it becomes even clearer uh, what the plan is involving him. And so, to see Joe Willett constantly give away those free kicks, you know, Steve Bruce and Andy Carroll would have been rubbing their, their hands together, you know, with excitement because that's exactly what they wanted. And to just play into their hands, I just, I just found it irritating. Um, I, I just found it really irritating. 
moving a little bit further forward, let's talk about Reese Nelson. Now, I appreciate in Reese Nelson's case that, you know, he wasn't scheduled to start the game. Um, it was always, it, it was a last minute decision, which I don't think uh, helped Reese Nelson in any way, shape or form, you know, to have what, 15 minutes preparation for a game can't be, can't be ideal. So I completely get why his, um, you know, his, uh, his performance maybe in the initial stages wasn't quite up to scratch. But at the end of the day, if you're Reese Nelson and you feel like you've got to be playing and you feel like you deserve a chance, however those opportunities come your way, and in this case, it came his way as a result of an unfortunate injury suffered by Gabriel Martinelli, you've got to take them with both hands. And Reese Nelson, for me, doesn't take those opportunities. He might perform in the Europa League, similarly to Joe Willock. But we're talking about a different level here. We're talking about a game against the Premier League side. And, and people would have looked at that FA Cup tie in the lead up and said, Arsenal should definitely win this one. And yes, you know, we were the favourites at home to a struggling Newcastle United side. But at the end of the day, this is a Premier League side. And I just don't think that... Um, you know, that Reese Nelson took that opportunity when it came his way. I, I really don't. There was one moment I thought that summed up Reese Nelson in that first period. And it was some good work from Arsenal on the left-hand side. And if my memory serves me correctly, it was a cutback from Kieran Tierney into the centre of the penalty area. And you're just looking at Reese Nelson and thinking, just open up your foot and guide it towards the goal. That's all you need to do. You need, you know, go back across the goal either go back across or go to the far post, just guide it. The, the the cross was not a particularly powerful one, a particularly difficult one to get under control, I didn't think. But such is the lack of confidence in Reese Nelson right now, I feel, that he took a touch. And taking that touch allowed the Newcastle defenders to get back, to close down the space. And it just summed up Reese Nelson at the moment, just not quite there. And, and as, you know, as Scotty says in the live chat, you always need to be ready and he is not. You absolutely do need to be ready, particularly when you're someone on the fringes, particularly when you're someone who's looking to make an impression and looking to break into the side. You know, again, I'll go back to the point about him having to be thrown in at the very last minute. And I know that's not ideal. I completely appreciate that. But this is not an opinion that I've formed on Reese Nelson based solely on last night's game. Uh, this is a, an opinion that I formed over a period of time. Looks great in the Europa League. Looks great in some of the cup games against a really weak opposition. But you cannot rely on Reese Nelson at this moment in time. And you also cannot rely on Willian, who was dreadful again. Um, you know, with every passing week, that signing just looks worse and worse, doesn't it? Literally, Willian at the minute is stinking out the place. And, I, I you know, I questioned a few weeks ago whether perhaps... The Willian of, of of yesteryear, the Willian who played on the wing, you know, maybe doesn't quite have the legs to do that anymore. And maybe that number 10 role would be a little bit more uh, suited to him. But again, he was poor, I thought. Um, you know, really struggled to impact the game, gave the ball away poorly, cheaply. And it feels so much like yesterday in Mikel Arteta's mind. And I know Mikel sort of come out in the press conference and defended Willian and said, you know, he's very willing and he's trying and he really wants to succeed here. I feel like this FA Cup tie may be a little bit of a turning point uh, for Mikel Arteta when it comes to sticking with some of these players. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, it, I think that after the substitutions were made, 
which we'll come on to discuss a little bit later on in more detail. But I just feel that after the substitutions were made, it became abundantly clear who should be playing for Arsenal Football Club at the moment and who shouldn't be. Um, you know, and, and for me, this is where Mikel Arteta now needs to be strong, needs to take into account what he's seen in the last few weeks. And when I say strong, he's dealing with experienced players here, egos, if you like. This is where he needs to be strong and say, you know what? This is my future. This is the team I want to build. And and it's and it consists around Bukayo Saka, around Emil Smith-Rowe, around Gabriel Martinelli when he's fit. And these players need to be playing week in, week out. Now, correct me if I'm wrong in the live chat, but I would say that most of us, as a general comment, would be supportive of Mikel Arteta if he decided to take that road. If he decided that actually these guys are not cutting it anymore, yes, we're going to get some ups and downs. Yes, there are going to be some inconsistencies with the youngsters, but they are our future and it's better betting on them than it is bet- betting on on some has-beens uh, that are literally stinking out the place at the moment. Willian, you know, I'm trying to be as polite and as fair as I possibly can, but he is... He is stinking out the place every time he plays for Arsenal Football Club. I thought he was good on the opening day against Fulham. I thought he was okay at Old Trafford when we won there. But other than that, I cannot think of a decent Willian performance in an Arsenal shirt. And he's had plenty of chances. You know, this is not a kid working his way into a side, trying to, you know, trying to find his feet. This is a very, very experienced footballer. Um, You know, and so I'm worried about this one. And, And obviously... Hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think we were pretty split on whether the the signing in the first place was the right decision. My view at the time was very much he can add some experience to an attacking line that lacks it in many areas, but it needed to be, you know, it needed to be Willian as a backup, not Willian as a starter. And he's been a starter. You know, this is we're talking about someone who's played 247 games in the Premier League. He's not a kid. Um and and I just, I can't get behind him at the moment. There is no logical justification right now, in my opinion, for Willian to be in the side, to continue in the side and to be given opportunities whilst the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, whilst the likes of Gabriel Martinelli, whilst the likes of Bukayo Saka are all performing at this level. Moving on to, to Nicolas Pepe, who I thought was better in the second half than he was in the first half. But I'm still worried about that signing. I mean, whoever got us to sign the dotted line on that deal, £72 million for Nicolas Pepe is a is a con artist, genuinely. Like, I think that that, that Pepe was obviously a lot better than Willian, who scored reflect that in their ratings as well. They've got him at 7.3, which I think is a little bit generous, to be honest. Um, I think all the a lot of these ratings are generous. But Pepe... You know, he, he didn't really do anything in the first half. He, he cut inside in field, played a couple of good balls to the back post, actually. Played a good ball towards the back post in the second half uh, from which Joe Willock uh, got a header on goal. Probably should have done better, probably should have scored. You know, it wasn't Pepe's worst performance, but I still have come away from this game feeling a little bit frustrated about him and feeling like, similar to, to what I said about Reese Nelson, Nicolas Pepe isn't in the side. These are opportunities that he has to be taking. And right now, he is not taking them. And he's making the decision uh, to leave him out for Mikel Arteta easier and easier and easier with each passing week. It's a hard one, you know. Um, I don't really know 
what the solution is with Nicolas Pepe. How do you get more out of him? Do you try to play him centrally, maybe? Do you keep giving him opportunities in the games that you feel you can get away with it and just hope that he comes good? Like, what's the deal? You know, if somebody comes in with an offer for Nicolas Pepe, admittedly, that offer, if there was one, would be a lot lower than what we originally paid for him. Do you take it? You probably do at this point um, because it just feels like it's not going to work out for Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal. I hope I'm wrong uh, because I do see some raw talent in the guy. I don't look at Nicolas Pepe and think he's completely hopeless. I th- there is something there, but he's not working at Arsenal at the moment. We're unable to get it out of him. What the solution is, I don't know. But unless Mikel Arteta can find one and sooner rather than later, then I think the answer might be that we have to consider trying to offload Nicolas Pepe, cutting our losses, even if it does mean a significant loss, because right now he's not offering a great deal to the side. And and in playing games like he did yesterday, and I understand it was the FA Cup, I understand that, you know, there were changes that need to be made. And I'm not criticising Mikel's decision to play him yesterday, because in my in, in my lineup ahead of the game on the preview show, I included him in there. So I'm not criticising the decision to play him, but with every sort of passing week, I start to worry more and more about whether Nicolas Pepe actually has what it takes to succeed at Arsenal, to make it at Arsenal, to turn his Arsenal career around. So I'm a little bit worried about Nicolas Pepe. I've got to be honest. And I've I've kind of given him the benefit of the doubt for a while and I've kept saying, you know, well, let's see, you know, let's see, give him time. But it's just not happening, is it, uh, at this moment in time? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang started up top. Um, Again, in my predicted, or I say predicted, in my lineup ahead of the game, I included Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I felt he needed, I felt like he needs to get a goal um, to get him back on track. Again, very few touches playing in that centre-forward role, but he got a goal. And that was the whole purpose for me of playing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang yesterday. It was an opportunity to get him back on the score sheet, get him firing again, and that way... um, you know, we could hope that he will turn around his form and we start to see the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that we've seen over the last few seasons. Got the goal in the end, which was really important. It was a really well-worked goal uh, involving uh, Granit Xhaka and Kieran Tierney down that left-hand side. Wonderful pass from Xhaka to find Tierney. And of course, as always, a really good cutback uh, for Aubameyang to finish uh, from close range. So yeah, really well-worked goal, that one. Um, Let's talk about the substitutes that came on and had such a big impact in the game. Bukayo Saka came on, made a massive, massive impact for me. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe came on and had a huge impact, of course, scoring that first goal, linking play together, stringing play together. And I thought that that Emil Smith-Rowe got better as the Bukayo Saka when Alexander Lacazette came onto the pitch. There's clearly a really, really good relationship between those guys. And it might not be a really good personal relationship. You know, we know that Aubameyang and Lacazette are good mates and all that off of the pitch. But sometimes it's about having that chemistry on the on the field. And you look at Lacazette and when you see him around Smith-Rowe and Saka, he just seems to come to life. When you Equally, when you see those two around him, they come to life as well. And I, I thought the link-up play between all of them was fantastic for that first goal. And don't underestimate what a difficult finish that was from Emil Smith-Rowe because once he takes that ball down, it's very important that he almost strikes that ball on the half volley because only striking that ball on the half volley gives you that kind of, you know, that sort of, what's the word that I want? The cleanness on the strike 
that takes it back across Martin Dubravka's goal. He places it perfectly just inside the post. Dubravka with, with no chance of saving it. Really, really well taken goal. Delighted for him and delighted to see him again make a massive impact. Watching Emil Smith-Rowe over the last few weeks, I'd, I'd probably argue that he's actually bulked up a fair amount as well, um, which could have been a little bit of a criticism of, him, criticism of him in previous years, that maybe he was a little bit lightweight. Seems to have bulked up, looks strong, looks fit. Um, really, really enjoyed his performance again. Everybody's raving about Bukayo Saka when he come on, of course, uh, really had a good impact. Kieran Tierney was excellent as well. But I want to give a, a big shout out to Granit Xhaka. And I know a lot of you think I'm like so... Um, that I'm big Granit Xhaka's biggest fan and always get on my case actually for me supporting him but I thought he really upped the tempo when he came onto the pitch yesterday I thought he was really really good and I think he deserves credit when he performs that way because there's no doubt about it he gets criticism doesn't he when he don't um, I thought a lot of his passes were still that, those kind of sideways passes you know where you're thinking come on just move it forward but he did pick out a wonderful pass, as I said, for the build-up to that second goal uh, where he picked out Kieran Tierney on the left. But for me, what it was about Granit Xhaka was just the tempo and the speed at which he was playing the game, I felt, really helped Arsenal build a momentum again because we showed periods of that. We showed signs of that during the 90 minutes, but it really died down um, in certain times as well. And I felt that Granit Xhaka's introduction in the midfield really set that tone and helped us to progress the ball a little bit better and at the very least move it quicker and pull people out of position. Credit to Newcastle United as well because they made the game very, very difficult for us. You know, I had Harry De Cosimo, Newcastle United fan and journalist on the watch along with me last night and he was very much of the opinion that, um, you know, Newcastle can defend pretty well under Steve Bruce when they adopt that shape, when they adopt that system. But the fans are not happy because they're fed up of the lack of attacking intent. And it does feel like when you look at Newcastle United, they're, they're so adamant on defending. That is so clearly their main focus that it takes away a lot from what they do further on on the pitch. But yeah, they made it difficult. And, and as I said earlier, Ron, perhaps this game will be a bit of a turning point in terms of making it clear in Mikel Arteta's mind exactly who warrants a place in this side on current form, exactly who the game changers are, the difference makers. Um, and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see him uh, persist with the right players moving forward. Got to give a big shout out to the Granite Xhaka figure as well. There he is. There he is. From the day that this Granite Xhaka figure was sent to me by Dan Potts from the same old Arsenal podcast, Granite Xhaka's been on fire and he came on and made a big difference again yesterday. So cheers, Dan. Um, I know he's not your favourite player in the world, but cheers. <laughs> right, uh, let's uh, go over to the live chat box and see uh, what some of you guys are saying. I can see there's over 150 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. So uh, can I just ask you one more time to smash that like button if you haven't already subscribed to the channel. And if you wish, you can now become a Chronicles of Aguna member. Check out uh, one of our recent videos in which I explained the membership scheme, what you get from it, how it helps me uh, to push this thing forward, how it helps me to develop it. Check it out. And if you wish to sign up, there are three tiers of membership available. I'm truly overwhelmed by the number of you that have signed up uh, within the first 24 hours. Unbelievable. Um, so I want to say a massive thank you to every single one of you that has signed up. I gave shout outs to those who joined prior to the watch along yesterday. Let me give a shout out to some of the, the new guys that have joined uh, during the night or this morning. Uh, to Selgeus, thank you so much. Uh, to Paul P, 
um, to Somerset Gunnar, to Runjan Chetty and to Akshay Chitnis, who all signed up overnight. So I haven't had a chance to give you guys a shout out yet. Uh, so thank you so much for joining. It really does help the podcast. There's going to be a members only stream uh, coming your way uh, this week on Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? No, on Thursday. It's going to be coming your way on Thursday. Um, so uh, keep your eye out on the community tab for that because there's going to be information uh, in there that members will be able to access on that and how you can get involved in that. Also, the Discord server is set up. If you're a Chronicles of Aguna member, you get access to our Discord server whereby you can communicate with each other and myself. We can all talk Arsenal in a bit of a group chat style. Um, so I'm going to be uh, putting out the link again in a members only post on the community tab on our YouTube page. So for those of you who don't know how to get there, if you go on the YouTube channel, click community at the top, you'll see uh, that there are some posts there um, that only members, they'll only show up in the, in the feed for members. So head over to there. The Discord link will go in there today uh, and you'll be able to join up that way. Now, with the Discord link, I think it's only valid for 24 hours. So when it does expire, I'll put another one in tomorrow for those that don't get around to it today. Uh, but make sure you take advantage of that because it's a great platform uh, from which we can all uh, talk Arsenal. I can get your feedback, your views, your thoughts on what we're doing on the channel. Um, so I, I really appreciate that and really value that. So I'd look forward uh, to speaking to some of you on there. Uh, let's say a big hello to those of you joining us in the chat now, uh, to T Talks, to uh gustav podolsky to omar uh to everybody else as well uh thank you all so much for joining me gustav asks harry with his performance and the form of other players has willian cemented his player as a cup squad player yeah it feels that way at the moment doesn't it as i said hopefully the writing is on the wall now for Mikel arteta and and things have become a lot clearer in recent weeks in my view anyway that you know i was always skeptical about going down the route of of youth because of the inconsistency that that can sometimes bring because of the pressure uh, that would be put on some of those players and I didn't feel that I wanted that to happen necessarily but looking at some of these senior players looking at how poorly they've performed and looking at how well some of the youngsters have performed I think that's the only way for Mikel to go now I really do um and I think that Willian's recent displays have cemented that and I think actually the fact that he played um you know in, a, in an FA Cup game, probably at least shows what well, played in an FA Cup game after we made seven odd changes from the, the last Premier League game probably shows that Mikel Arteta is starting to lean that way. Uh, Carrie Tanninen asks, could Marie play left back or Xhaka if needed? I mean, I mean, in a desperate situation, yeah, you know, Granit Xhaka's done it before. Uh, Pablo Marie could probably do it. But I think in the current system that we play with, it's so important that our fullback in particular on that left-hand side, gets forward. Um, you've seen what a creative outlet Kieran Tierney's been of late and how important he's been in that department. So I would worry about either of those, his ability to gallop up that left-hand side and make things happen in the final third. That's why I would lean towards Ainsley Maitland-Niles because I feel like he's got more about him in that sense. But, you know, yeah, in a desperate, desperate situation, Arsenal could bring one of those two left-footed players in there, of course. And obviously, Gabriel is a left-footed option as well. Uh, so there are options, but it just, you know, as I say, I'm, I really feel like our left-back offers us a great deal in the attacking uh, phase of the game right now. And to play either of those two there would certainly take away from that. 
Omar has some praise for Pablo Marie, says he's been solid recently. His excellent reading of the game makes up for his lack of pace. I agree with that. Um, lots of you commenting on, on Joe Willock's performance, uh, Nelson's performance. And uh, John raises the point of Eddie and Ketia as well. He says, Willock, Eddie and Nelson, we should cash in on all of them. Yeah, I, I don't agree. Uh, I don't agree. I don't disagree with you uh, for a second. I think all three of them are decent young footballers, but are not quite at the level required uh, to propel Arsenal up to that next level. And I think we have to consider uh, that if if offers, of course, do come across the table uh, for those three players. Beke Dubé uh, continues in the praise for Pablo Marie, who's uh, fan favourite at the moment. Hey, Harry, Marie is a rock. What's your take on a centre-back pairing of two left-footers, Marie and Gabriel? I think it can work. I think that two right-footers can work as well. And I've said this time and time again, so forgive me if it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but there's been lots of good central defensive partnerships that played with the same foot. Golo Toure and... Sol Campbell are a prime example of that at the Arsenal. You know, two right-footed centre-backs who played, uh, you know, as a pair, made it work. Another example I always refer to is John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho at Chelsea uh, when they were at their peak. Those two, same foot. Vidic Ferdinand, same foot. Um, both really, really good. So if it can work for right-footers, I don't see why it can't work for left-footers. The issue is, though, I think that Mikel Arteta's made it clear that in his mind, Given the way he wants the team to play out from the back, he prefers that the two players are of opposite feet. So will Mikel Arteta decide that he's going to stick to his principle, a principle that he's set and a principle he's made very clear uh, based on the fact that he went and brought the left-footed centre-back options in that he did? Do you then kind of, um, do, you, do you abandon that principle because you feel like you can get more out of your central defensive pairing? I don't know. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, what what Mikhail does uh, in that sense. A uh, big hello to Matt G says, morning all, how you doing, Matt? And you can see Matt is a member. That's why he's got that cool little badge next to his name. Um, so we can spot you guys in the chat from a mile off. Um, so yeah, um, that's another perk of becoming a member. Uh, your comments get highlighted to me in the live chat. Um, also, quick reminder, actually, tonight we're doing a fans phone in from 9 p.m. And the reason I'm doing this review show first is because it means that I get to dedicate the whole hour to you guys and your calls. So very much looking forward to, to speaking to lots of you this evening. I've had a great response already in the uh, Chronicles AFC inbox on Twitter. If you do want to take part, uh, go over to Twitter, DM me at Chronicles underscore AFC, and I will ping you a link right back during the show at some point, And you can click in and join me and have your say on whatever it is you want to talk about, Arsenal or football related. Um, so I look forward, as I say, to catching up with loads of you tonight. 9pm UK time, that is. Uh, so get involved. Chris Cavaco uh, chips in on the Willock debate. He says, Harry, Willock is not good enough for AFC. Same as Eddie. Look at Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka. When they got their chances, they took them. Yeah, agreed. They absolutely did. Um, lots of you getting on to, to Willian as well. Um, A79 says, at least Nelson has time to develop. Willian is dead. Um, what else have we got? Omar says, Willian was abysmal, did absolutely nothing. Musa, in terms of the uh, Reese Nelson thing, says he's got stage fright due to a lack of consistency, but he's better than Willian at the moment for me. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I'd rather see him in the side. At least he's a player with a, a potential to develop further. You know, Willian, 32 years old, how much better is he going to get? Um, Sergei says, uh, will Willian go in to see off his contract or will he be sold in the next 12 months? I think if his performances continue in this vein and an offer is there, 
then I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal looked to try and move him on. But of course, he's got that contract. And much like the Mesut Ozil situation, if he doesn't want to budge, uh, we're going to be stuck with him. Um, well, at least uh, at least if nobody comes in with anything that Arsenal see as a, a sufficient offer. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, Ashton Orman says, when did the club start giving over 30s two-year-plus contracts? Yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. It wouldn't have happened under Arsene Wenger's watch. I know he had his faults, but that wouldn't have happened under his watch. That is for sure. Um, going back to the impact of the substitutions, uh, Matt G says, it's telling that our performance instantly improved after Pepe went off. I can't see a route back for him. Yeah, I think a lot of us are starting to get worried now about Nicolas Pepe. It is... Um, he is somebody that, that we're worried about. He is somebody that isn't really making the strides that we had hoped at this point in his career. Apologies if you see me glancing off to the right. The game's kicked off between Roma and Inter in Serie A. Huge clash at the top of the table, that one. If you're looking for some decent football to watch today, because we know the FA Cup is not uh, exactly... Uh, yeah, it can be entertaining at times. Yeah, there's some great underdog stories. But in terms of the quality of football, there isn't a great deal on offer today. So... If you're looking for something to do in lockdown, Roma Inter right now live on Premier Sports 1 in the UK. Uh, Matt asks, do we sell if a £35 million offer comes in for Pepe? Yeah, I would. Um, I would. I'd cut my losses. I know it sounds ludicrous to do that when you think about how much money Arsenal paid for him. But, you know, he, it doesn't look like he's going to cut it. It doesn't look like we're going to see that progression, that development that we hoped we'd get from Nicolas Pepe. And so if there's money on the table and Mikel Arteta really isn't convinced of his ability to to improve and, and continue his his, uh, his career at Arsenal, then, then move him on. Um, Xander makes the point of sometimes a league, a team and a league doesn't suit a player. Yeah, I completely agree with that. We've seen that so many times over the years. I mean, I'm watching Henrik Mkhitaryan now. Uh, he's been outstanding for, for Roma this season. So another example of where a player can go into another league, into another side, and it just works. It just fits. And with Nicolas Pepe, it feels like it doesn't quite fit at Arsenal Football Club. And, you know, that, that, as I said, that doesn't mean that he hasn't got talent. That doesn't mean that he can't go on to fulfil his potential somewhere else. I've said it time and time again. I think there is a player there. I think there is raw talent there, but it's just not working at Arsenal. It really, really isn't. Uh, Talal Ashore refers to uh, Kev, to uh, Emil Smith Rowe as Kevin De Croydon was the, the game changer. Of course, the uh, Croydon Kevin De Bruyne, as he's known, uh, Emil Smith Rowe. Matt says it was the Emil Smith Rowe show. Indigeno says, "Give this man a like, you gooners. Much love, Harry. Hope you're on the men still. I am much better, mate. I am. I'm getting there. Um, so yeah, uh, great to be, great to be uh, feeling much better and uh, back at it." Uh, what else have we got in terms of your comments? Just skimming through them. Uh, Easy Boy is joining us live from Dubai. Welcome to the program, mate. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your support. Um, what else have we got here? Scotty referring to Mikel Arteta's comments on Willian in the post-match press conference. He says, Arteta had me raging yesterday when he said uh, that Willian had good moments. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I agree, you know, that you watch it. But what's he going to do, Scotty? Like, do you want Mikel Arteta to come out and absolutely hammer his player in the press conference? We saw him do that uh, with Nicolas Pepe after he got sent off. And from what we understand from the reports and the rumbles and noises that were coming out of the football club, actually, the um, the Arsenal squad uh, took exception to that. They weren't happy with that. They weren't happy with the way Mikel publicly went after one of his players. So, 
I think that Mikel's learning and I think that Mikel will continue to learn as a young manager. And, and this is a situation where, yeah, we can all see it. Do you really need Mikel Arteta to tell you? Because I don't. Um, and I just think he's protecting uh, the player. Mohamed Adam says, Manscaped isn't for the beard, bro. I was looking fire. Yeah, it, trust me, I didn't use the Manscaped here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was time to let my face breathe a little bit, you know. Um, I'm, it'll be back in like three days, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've got here in terms of your live comments. Um, going back to that point about the... Um, the, the debate around whether you can play with two left-footed centre-backs. Patrick says, we have played with two right-footed centre-backs for a long time, so why could it not work from the other side? But Yonick makes a really interesting point that Gabriel and Murray are both really one-footed. I agree with that. I think Colo Toure and Sol Campbell, who I referred to as an example previously, actually particularly in, in Toure's case, were a little bit more competent with their weaker foot. So perhaps that is something that, that Mikel uh, considers. Uh, Brett Huffman says, great channel. Would love to see reinforcements in January, especially an attacking midfielder. It's become so obvious how important having a player like Smith Rowe is to our current attacking form. Completely agree with that. And uh, thank you for your kind words. Um, Del Boy says, what goalie should we sign as a number two? Renarsson is not the level of a top class backup. Completely agree with that. And I think if we can hold on, it, it sounds it sounds weird because if something happens to Bern Leno, it has the potential, in my opinion, to completely derail our season. But the flip side to that is if Arsenal are really strapped for cash, then we know that there are going to be a number of goalkeepers available on free transfers come the end of the season. So do Arsenal hold on, take the risk that, you know, Leno can can stay fit and that Renarsson can provide backup when needed with the view to bringing someone in on the cheap in the summer? I think, you know, that probably is the, the way they're going to go. Um, whether that's the right approach, only time will tell. Uh, big hello to Zissi in the chat. He says, good morning, Harry. It was there for all to see. Willock, Nelson, Pepe, not at the level they should be. As for Willian, the less said, the better. Shockingly bad. Look forward to Partey marshalling our midfield. Meanwhile, I'm a bit concerned with Martinelli's injury. I fear the worst. Yeah, Mikel Arteta's uh, press conference on uh, and when he spoke about that in particular, Gabriel Martinelli's injury, you know, it really, it really worries me. Just seeing it, actually, just seeing the video of, of how it occurred just worries me as well. You know, I've rolled my ankle many times. You normally know straight away um, whether you've just literally rolled it and tweaked a little something or if you've done significant damage. And I think Gabriel Martinelli, yes, he walked off the pitch and everybody made that point. You know, he walked down the tunnel comfortably. But according to Mikel Arteta, he was on the treatment table and he was in tears. That suggests to me that Gabriel Martinelli knows um, knows that it's a it's an injury that could keep him out for a period of time. Also, you know, when you come back from a long injury, I've said it time and time again, and it's why in look, I'm not for a second blaming Mikel Arteta for for Gabriel Martinelli's injury. That is a freak accident that can happen in training. It can happen in in the road, you know, you can be walking and step on an uneven piece of ground and, and roll your ankle. It's a complete freak injury. There's no fault with Mikel Arteta. But the risk of that happening or the risk of anything happening is why I, when I put my team forward for this FA Cup tie on the preview show, I didn't include Gabriel Martinelli in, in it. You know, he's come back from a long-term injury. He's a young player still. And I feel very much like 
you know, when you come back from an injury like that, you have to be broken in slowly. He's not been broken in slowly. He's been thrown into the mix really, really quickly because Arsenal were desperate. Yes, he didn't he didn't play against West Brom and all of that, but you know, he's still you've got to appreciate that this is a young kid who's who's still growing, still developing, and you know, he's come back from a really serious problem. So for me, he wouldn't have been included because I didn't feel this game was the major priority. But um, you know, it is what it is, and and as I say, I'm not going to sit here and and blame uh, blame Mikel Arteta for that because it was a freak accident. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. What else are you guys saying in the chat? Lots of comments about my lack of a beard, Harry. Why cut the moustache? Because I want to look young again, mate. Um, that's uh, no j- jokes aside. I, I would have done my hair as well if I weren't going to mess it up. But, you know, we're in lockdown at the moment. There's no barbers you can go to uh, to get you out of a hole. Uh, Let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Uh, Lee Smith says, is that a Tottenham shirt in the background? No, it's not. I can assure you that is not a Tottenham shirt. It is an old retro England shirt that my mates bought for me uh, on my stag um, or to wear on my stag. So that's what it is. That's why it's sitting over there. That's why I haven't binned it. Sentimental value um, and all that. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, just picking up some of your comments. Uh, Talawa Shaw says, I honestly think William and Ketty have had their chances and shown they've not good enough, but I still have hope for Nelson for some reason. Interesting. Some people do hold that hope for Reese Nelson. And, um, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he develops because, um, for some reason, the Arsenal fan base are quite attached to Reese Nelson. I don't personally understand it myself. I don't think he's ever done enough to suggest that he's going to nail himself uh, down a place in this starting lineup moving forward. But having said that, um, you know, having said that, it, 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 there are glimpses. I, you know, it's a, it's a difficult one. It's a really frustrating one. Uh, Subigia says, Harry, what do you think Xhaka's role should be in the team? He's been too inconsistent for too long. I think Granit Xhaka's role should be in a deep line midfield position alongside Thomas Partey. I think you'll see the best of him uh, then because um, because ultimately, uh, you know, he'll be next to the right partner. And I've always said that's been key to, to Granit Xhaka. Um, I've always said that one of the important things uh, with regards to Granit Xhaka is having the right player alongside him. And I think Thomas Partey is that man. Big hello to Ross, one of our members in the chat. He says, is it telling that Balogun wasn't even named on the bench yesterday? Yeah, I think it was, Russ. I think it suggests that no breakthrough has been made with regards to the negotiations. And look, if he doesn't want to stay at the club, if he's itching for a move away, then let him go. Um, as we've been saying over the last few days, um, and I always go back to... Um, I always go back to... Uh, to James Cook's tweet the other day where he said he could be Tuba Akpom or he could be Thierry Henry. We just don't know. There's no point losing sleep over over following Balogun at the moment because potential is only worth anything if you fulfil it. And and at this point, yeah, we've seen some glimpses, but he hasn't um, he hasn't shown. Well, he hasn't been given the opportunities, but. You know, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that they don't feel he's ready. Maybe part of the reason he hasn't been given those opportunities is his uh, unwillingness to to commit to the football club. Um, but I understand that from Mikel Arteta. You know, this is a project. And why would he want to keep people on board who don't necessarily um, feel that their future is at the club? It's, it's, it's a strange one, you know. Um, it's a strange one. Let's... Um, 
let's just see what happens. But yeah, you're right. I think the fact that he wasn't involved, wasn't even on the bench yesterday, probably says that actually, um, you know, the, the negotiations aren't making a great deal of progress. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Selgius, another one of our members. Thank you for your support, mate. Says, since we have many centre-backs, I know we're losing a few at the end of the season. Will Mavrobanos get any chance when he returns from his loan? You know what? He's doing okay in Germany. Um, he really, really is. He's doing really well. Oh, Lukaku just missing a golden opportunity for Italy. I think the flag went up. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, will Mavrobanos get any chance when he returns from his loan? If he continues to perform well, I don't see why not. But you've also got to consider, you know, William Saliba is another one who's going to come back. So many players uh, that that Mikel has at his disposal. Perhaps Mavrobanos himself will want to stay in Germany. Uh, perhaps he'll feel like he's found a bit of a home there. Maybe the Arsenal move came a little bit too early in his career. Uh, let's see. But he's certainly putting in some really positive performances uh, in Germany. And, and he's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Beanio666 says, what's this imposter done with Harry? <laughs> it's the beard, isn't it? The beard's gone. The beard is gone. Um, I can see there's a, a troll in the chat right now, winding a few people up. Uh, let's kick him out. Where is it? There we go. We put him in a timeout, sent to the naughty step. If you're going to join the chat and you're going to talk with people, be respectful. Um, you know, Exchange opinions. That's absolutely fine. There's no need to be an idiot about it, though. And, and I'm not going to tolerate that on this channel. There are too many channels out there that breed toxicity, too many Twitter accounts that breed toxicity. I don't want none of that here. This is for good, um, sensible Arsenal and football discussion. If you disagree with my views or you disagree with the views of anyone in the chat, that's absolutely fine. As long as you talk to each other with respect and you exchange those opinions in a in, in the right manner, then I've got no issue. But if you're going to start trolling people in the chat, no time for it whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, let that be a lesson uh, moving forward. Uh, right. Brings us towards the end uh, of this live edition of the podcast. As I said, uh, we are going to be running our fans phone-in show this evening, 9pm UK time. So if you want to have your say, head over to Twitter, get involved, DM us at Chronicles underscore AFC, and we'll get you on the line uh, during that hour to have your say um, on uh, on anything Arsenal or football related. Just a quick reminder, you can now become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna channel. Big thank you to those who have shown their support so far. If you want to know why we're doing it, check out the, the channel memberships video uh, that I put out yesterday for a bit of an explanation a bit, and give you guys a bit of understanding as to why and how we're going to be doing it moving forward. Um, if you are already a member, keep your eyes out on the Discord uh, link. It will be dropping in the uh, community tab uh, this afternoon. So keep your eyes on that. And uh, as I said, if you want to support the channel, head over to the memberships page. Uh, you can click the link actually in the description. It will take you straight there and you can join three tiers of membership. Pick which one suits you and uh, jump aboard uh, the Chronicles of Aguna community. That doesn't mean that you're not welcome here if you're not a member. That doesn't mean that non-members won't get a look in on the phone. And of course you will. Um, Nothing is going to change. We're just going to be bringing you a little bit more extra. Um, and of course, uh, if you do enjoy the content, you do find it a great way of passing your time, particularly in these difficult times, and you want to support, that's how you can do it. So thank you uh, so much in advance. And thank you to all of those who have signed up already. Right, that brings me to the end of the show. Um, 
as I said, we're going to be back later on and uh, we'll catch up then. Until then, take care. Stay safe. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.